So everyone sits in meditation and keep your, your mindfulness on your breath. So watch the breath as it comes in and as it leaves. And so this is keeping awareness and mindfulness over an object which is wholesome. And so when we have this quality of mindfulness, uh, then we also try and develop Sampajanya, which is uh, an all-around knowing, and try and bring those both, both of those qualities, the mindfulness and all-around knowing, into our minds. And so in doing this, we keep our minds in the present moment, and we know what things are like for us right now. And when our breath comes in, we know that, and when it leaves, we know that as well. As we do this, then our minds will become peaceful, and they'll begin to stop uh, thinking constantly, like we normally do. You know, going off and thinking about uh, just all the different um, things that, that we imagine and that, that we make up. So as we keep our minds on our breath, uh, then we're developing the two qualities of vitaka and vichara. So vitaka is lifting an object into our minds, and vichara is the sustained awareness of that object. So it's not the case that vitaka is thinking. It's, it's not thought. And vichara, it's not like extrapolation on something. But we just know the breath, and we know what the breath is like right now. And we can do this anytime. We can know the breath at any time. It's something that we can bring our minds to. As we develop this, then peace will arise, and we'll also feel an inner joy come up within us. And this joy is something that arises from our mindfulness, and from, so from, from this ability to recollect something. So like when we come together and we join in an ordination ceremony, uh, there can be a, a great sense of joy that arises from that. So perhaps we have a child or a grandson or a friend who's ordaining. And when we join in, uh, in that ceremony, then what we're doing is we're having mindfulness over a wholesome and a good object at that time. Our minds are established in calm and in peace. And so this joy and an inner fullness can arise. And perhaps we'll start to cry. Perhaps tears will flow. And these tears, they come from the full heart, the heart that's joyful. So it's often the case in the world that when we're sad or we're depressed or the mind is very frantic and chaotic or confused, then we start crying then. Or when we uh, meet with separation or different kinds of suffering in the world, then our tears start to flow. But in this case, they're wholesome tears. They're tears that arise from joy, tears that arise from peace. And we can say that, that when we're in this state, then it's like we're eating the, the true food for our heart.
So this, this inner joy, when we have that, it's like a heart finds, it finds new life through goodness and through wholesomeness. And so this image that, that we have, you know, maybe of um, our son or family member or friend ordaining, we can recollect that and we can use that as a meditation object. And this is what we call the Sangha Nusati, the recollection of the Sangha. We recollect the, the, the good things that our family members have done. Or maybe also the good things that we have done before, the wholesome meritorious actions. We can also recite the, the mantra of Buddha or Dhamma or Sangha and keep that going in our minds until our minds reach a state of peace. And so if when we look at the breath and we try and place our minds on the feeling of the air coming in and leaving the body, our minds feel indifferent to that, it doesn't really get much from that, then what we can do is we can place our minds onto the Buddha and recollect the Buddha. A way of doing this is recollecting the great compassion that the Buddha had, that his, his compassion was... Um, it was limitless, it was boundless. We can think that he was the one who found the path to the end of suffering. And that we, we can go over all of the great sacrifices that he had to go through in order to build up his spiritual perfections so that he could be the first person to realize this path. This, this way of out of suffering that he knew for himself. So as we do this, what we're doing is we're recollecting the goodness of the Buddha. And this is a way of bringing joy into our hearts. Sometimes the feeling of rapture can arise so much that the hair on our bodies stands up, or maybe even the hair on our head stands on end. And this is what we call pity, this, this inner rapture arising. And so at this point, then it's possible for tears to start flowing. And they're, they're tears that come from the recollection of the Buddha, from applying our minds to this meditation object. And so it's said that the recollection of the Buddha, the recollection of the Dhamma and the Sangha, the recollection of the, the things that we've given up, and the recollection of Devas, these are the six um, forms of recollection that are appropriate for someone who is um, of a faithful temperament. So we can bring these up in our minds. So the Buddha, the Dharma, the Sangha, the things that we've given, the, the generosity that uh, we've performed through our lives, the, the sila that we've, we've kept, uh, our morality, and also we can recollect devas. And devas are beings that have two qualities. They have hiri and otapa. So a wholesome sense of uh, fear of doing something wrong and uh, a shame, a wise shame over things that have been done wrong already. And these are the, the kamatanas, the meditation objects that, that we can recollect. If we do this often, then our hearts will reach a state of peace. And as we carry on with this, then they can go into upajara samadhi, so into uh, neighborhood concentration. 
at that point, then our hearts and our mind and our bodies they feel very buoyant and light. And so, if our minds they just they find it difficult to stay with the breath, and if we have a lot of faith in us, then we can bring our minds to the Buddha. We can recollect that the Buddha was someone who was completely pure. He was an arahant, freed from all defilements. He had no ignorance, no delusion within him. And the ten fetters, he had completely cut them off and found freedom from those. And so he was far from the Kilesas, and he did this all by himself. He arrived at purity by himself. We can recollect that he was one who knew the world. He saw clearly into all of the things to do with the world, and he was the perfect trainer of beings who could be trained. He had great compassion, and so he was able and competent at teaching devas and humans. And so the word Buddha has the meaning of. The one who knows, the one who is awake, and the one who is joyful. So we can recollect these things. We can recollect the purity of the Buddha, the Buddha's great wisdom, or the Buddha's great compassion, and we can choose just one of those things and and go over that in our minds and keep that quality in our minds. And think that the Buddha was an arahant, far from the kilesas, and.、Um, And he, he was able to to completely extract the defilements from his mind,、um, so that they 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 never came back. And so we can keep this this mantra Buddha Dhamma Sangho in our minds, and we keep it going and keep it going until it feels like it's too much, and then we can just stay with one. We just stay with Buddha. As we're walking, we're sitting, we're lying down, we're standing. Whether we're drinking or eating, whether we're we're listening to someone talk, then we keep Buddha with us all the time. And also, when we're sitting in meditation, as we're watching our breath and we're、um, doing the practice of anapanasati, then as the breath comes in, we recite Buddha. As it leaves, we recite Do. So buddho, buddho, and as we do this, then this will bring peace into our hearts. As we carry on with this, then it's natural that when there's sufficient calm, that this mantra of buddho will disappear all by itself, without us intending for it to go. And when that's the case, we just stay with the breath, just stay with the breath coming in and leaving, and we keep at this. And then the mind will eventually become very still. When this happens, a lot of joy will come up within us. As we keep on with this, this this calm, still mind and this feeling of joy, and we keep developing it and cultivating it, then the mind will gather in into one point. And at that point, it's what we call samasamadhi,、uh, right concentration. And this is apana samadhi arising for us, 
This is um, absorption concentration. And so when the mind is like this, then it's freed from the hindrances. So there aren't any doubts present in the mind at that time. There's no aversion or hatred, no ill will. We don't have any sense of pleasure or displeasure towards um, sensual things. There's no confusion in the mind. There's no restlessness in the mind. And so all of this happens um, from us keeping our attention on the breath. The breath coming in, the breath leaving. But then if we, if we let our minds go and we start thinking about things, if we let our minds go off into the future and into the past, then the peace within us will start to erode. <clears throat> when we have a feeling of pleasure towards something, of liking something, then our minds will go and they'll extrapolate on that and start thinking about that and create a, a huge story out of it. When we feel dis displeasure towards something, then our minds will start making a big deal out of that. And what's happening here is that the defilements are tricking our minds. So when we meditate, we need to have mindfulness, and we need to, we need to know what things are like here in the present moment. We need to have our awareness centered in this present moment, keeping our minds with Buddha until they become still. We can also ask questions of ourselves. So we can take this body of ours and ask ourselves, is this really me? Is this mine? We can touch our, our hand and feel the bones um, there underneath the skin and ask ourselves, are these bones me? Are they mine? We can think of this body when, when it was just born, when it was a, a newly born child. Was that me then? And what about that when it dies? Will that be me then? Will it be mine then? When it's old, is that me? When it was new, is that me? No, it's not. It's, it's not ours in any of these cases. It's just that we have memory coming up, and then this memory plays tricks on us. And then we start to take this body as a self. So we start to think that when we were a child, that was me. When we were a newly born baby, that was me. And so this is the sanyakanda, the, the aggregates of memory arising. And then we start to think on that, and that's uh, sankhara. But really, even though our minds tell us that this body is me, it's actually not a self. When our minds reach peace, then we'll be able to really understand this. We'll be able to to touch this truth for ourselves, that, that this body is not me, it's not mine. But at the beginning, we do have a self there. And so we have to practice with that self. So we take up the training of refraining from any evil actions and developing wholesome actions. We keep our meditation with us. And this meditation object is something wholesome, and it's something that will bring peace into our hearts.
we can also contemplate and use our minds to to investigate uh, an object. And this is also another form of wholesomeness arising. We can contemplate and see into the truth of not-self. And when we can really um, perceive this, then our minds will become empty. And when they're empty, then they become pure. When this happens, a great rapture will arise within us. And this is a joy that comes from an understanding of the Dhamma. We'll see clearly into conventional reality. And in doing this, then our minds become free. It's possible that the state of seeing the Dhamma and of feeling inner joy lasts for many days and nights. So this is something that comes from the Dharma arising for us. And this and that Dharma arising that comes from our practice. From this path of Sila Samadhi Panya, of morality, concentration and wisdom. And when we follow this path, then and, and we keep going with it, then we'll be able to reach an end. It's possible for us to follow the path until it's its end. But we need to have great determination and we need to have effort. On our ordination, the Upajaya, the preceptor, he gives us the five meditation objects of Kesa, Loma, Naka, Danta, Tacho, of hair of the head, hair of the body, nails, teeth, skin. And so he goes through this forwards and then he repeats it in reverse order. So these five meditation objects, they're the external body. But there are also 27 internal aspects to the body, internal meditation objects. And when we combine these, these make up the 32 parts of the body. As we use our minds to investigate into these parts of the body, then we'll be able to let go of them. And we'll be able to see the truth of, of these physical forms. That's they are unclean, they're dirty, and they're disgusting. If we really see this, then our minds will become very peaceful, and they'll become firm. And then if we contemplate further, we'll be able to see that these bodies are just comprised of elements. As we do this, then joy will arise in our hearts. So at the beginning, these, these contemplations, they are actually samatha practices. They're practices which lead to peace. So whatever practice that gives us good results, that when we do it, we feel peaceful, we feel happy and contented in doing that, then we should just do that, whatever it is. And don't have any doubts about that. And so some people get into, into doubts over um, well, that, that it's written that if we take up the recollection of the Buddha, then all we'll be able to attain to is upajara samadhi, is um, neighborhood concentration. But don't worry about that, because when you reach that level of samadhi, 
then the mind will just carry on with the practice by itself. It'll know what to do at that point. And if you carry on with it, then we'll be able to get into, into absorption concentration. And so be very intent in the practice. Really try and develop these minds. Contemplate into things and see the empty nature of, of our bodies. We should try and keep our morality and our precepts as, as best we can. And so today, Jayananda ordained and he took up the 227 precepts of the bhikkhu. He also just took Nisaya, dependence upon me. And so, for me, it's, it's my duty to provide the four requisites to him and to provide him with teaching and training in the Dhamma. And then, for him, it's his obligation to keep up the, the practices that we have as a monk and to develop meditation. So today he was given his robes and he's put them on now. And these robes are the victory banner of the Arahants. So take good care and practice a lot, develop your mind a lot and be very intent. There is a goal to our practice. When, when we practice we have a destination, <clears throat> a destination that we want to get to. And that destination is Nibbana. And so heaven really exists, hell exists, and Nibbana exists for sure. And it's something that we can get to. Our minds can touch that, they can reach that state. All it takes is for us to, to see into emptiness, and then we'll be able to reach Nirvana. Our minds will feel a great coolness that arises from that state of emptiness and from being far away from the defilements. So if we can just see that these bodies, they're not me and they're not mine, then we'll enter into the stream of the Dhamma. We'll start to become separated from greed, hatred, and delusion. And as we keep on doing this, then we'll know for ourselves that Nibbana is real. And so, uh, Jayananda has had the good opportunity to come and ordain, and he's actually been practicing for, for many years, and has been very uh, devoted in his practice. And so, as you keep um, going on as a monk, you keep getting more rains, then keep that, that sense of um, devotion to the practice. Now, it's a good opportunity to, to be a monk because we do have time to, to develop our minds and to develop this path. For lay people, there's a lot of duties that um, you need to, to spend time doing. Uh, there's a lot of work and a lot of sense objects that, that you have to receive. And so it can be quite difficult to, to make the mind peaceful. If you have a family and live in a household, then it can be difficult to, 
to, to really practice. But as a monk, we've um, it's it's like we've we've moved away from our families, so we have a greater opportunity. The Buddha gave the simile of a log that's been taken out of the water. And so uh, that log, while it was in the water, it was soaking wet. But as it's put onto the bank, it starts to dry out. And then as it gets hit by the sunlight, then the water within it just carries on evaporating, carries on evaporating until it's completely dry. And so now ordaining as a monk, we've taken away from the lay life and we've put on the robes. And we've physically removed ourselves from a lot of the the sense contact that, that exists in the world. But we also need to use our practice as, as like a fire which burns the chelases. And so mindfulness and concentration are very important things. And they're things that we really need to spend time and effort in training ourselves in. In the beginning, it's important that we learn the, the, the practices and the duties of a monk, and we train ourselves in that first. And so if, if we just let things go, and we don't turn up to the morning chanting, we don't turn up to the evening chanting, then that's just the chilesas, the defilements taking control of us. If we eat a lot, if we speak a lot, then that's just defilements operating in our mind. And so what we need to do is we need to really train and bring our minds to peace, to be able to, to, to gather them in, into concentration. And we can reach concentration, we can get our minds into samadhi. It's something that we're capable of doing. And it's something that we really need to be able to do, to develop peace in our hearts. So Venerable Ajahn Chah, he said that the Dhamma exists on the shores of death. And so it's something that we really need to be, to be firm in, in, in our intent in getting. We really go after Marga and Pala, the path and the fruits, in this very life. And we don't, don't just let our minds go. You know, don't stop. And carry on going. And whether we've been a monk for one year, two years, five years, ten years, you know, no, no matter how long we're here for, we just carry on going and carry on in the practice. If we do that, then we gain great profit from these lives. And sometimes a lot of doubts can arise in our minds. But just know this, know that doubt has arisen, and don't be afraid of it. We can think that um, life is uncertain, but death is certain. Yeah, we'll have to die for sure. And we can see in the world that sometimes there are, are young people who are very strong. You know, someone who's 23 years old, 28 years old, they're very fit, they don't have any sickness. But in just a short space of time, they can get ill, and then not long after that, they're dead. And this happens quite often. So life is not certain. If we contemplate in this way, then we'll be able to cut off our thoughts about the future, 
because if we think about the future a lot, then that's, that can give rise to a lot of defilements in our minds. So just try and keep your mind here in the present moment and try and make the mind peaceful here and now. So for some monks, they, they really like to go over this meditation object of death and they, they think about it a lot. They think about the uncertainty of life and this can be a very suitable meditation object for them. It's when, when we do this, then we, can, then we can really start to understand that, that life is uncertain and that these bodies, they're not, there's no self in them. So whatever meditation object that we use, that we feel like it works for us and we're proficient in it, then just do that and don't have any doubts about it. When our minds are at peace, then we won't have any doubts. We'll be able to see into conventional reality, and through that, we'll arrive at a state of emptiness. So if we carry on with this practice, then we'll be able to, to walk this path and to reap the results of that, for sure. As we do this, then we can, our minds will enter into uh, greater levels of concentration. So we can get into to Upajara Samadhi. And then in that state of um, neighborhood concentration, then it's, it's possible for us to really uh, come to a clear understanding of the Dhamma. As we come out of that state and go into Kanaka Samadhi, into momentary concentration, um, then thoughts will start to arise. Um, but we can bring those thoughts into a wholesome object and then our minds will become more peaceful and we just carry on with this practice. So really try to find as much opportunity as you can to do the practice. Speak very little, but develop the mind a lot. If buddho just doesn't really work, if our minds just can't stay with the meditation with buddho, then we can go over the chanti tipiso and do that 108 times. Just keep going with it until the mind becomes tired. When the mind's tired, then it will stop thinking, and it'll be easy for our mindfulness to stay with Buddha. <clears throat> or we can use the, the mantra Lokavidu, or the mantra Arahant. It's okay to use these as well. And for all of us, we're, we're fortunate to be able to receive the teachings of Venerable Ajahn Chah. And we're also in time to, to be able to hear the teachings of the Buddha, the Dhamma, and the Sangha. So use this opportunity and, and be very sincere. So Jayanando's family have come, his father, his mother, his uh, brother and sister, other relatives and, and friends. They've all come together to express their joy in his ordaining as a monk. He's intent to be a monk for many years, and it's very difficult to find someone who's, who's able to do that, who's able to come and ordain and, and really want to be a monk for a long time. And he's also from a Chinese family, and that's even more rare to, to, to find someone of Chinese heritage uh, who can ordain and for whom 
their family is uh, very supportive of them. And so he has all of these, um, all of these supports, all of these factors coming together, and things are very suitable for the practice. And so all that's left is just to develop the mind and to, to take up this training. And so you should do this. You should carry on practicing until you can find a real place of refuge in yourself. And if you can do this for yourself, then you'll be able to, come to become a refuge for other people as well. If you can just see with wisdom that these bodies are empty, then the mind will become joyful and will be able to reach Marga, the path and parlor of the fruits. And so all of us, we should all be intent to practice in this, in this way, no matter how long we've been here for. And really, the longer we've stayed here, the more effort we should have in the practice. So all of us, all the monks, we should try and keep up all the practices as best we can. And so everyone, be sincere in your efforts. There you are. Thank uh-huh.